The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. I'm delighted to be here and honored to be here. Um, I think we've been set up, as she said, with uh, the music today, because this is the moment. This is the moment where you get to perhaps make a new choice about how you want your life to be. I know that you know this, but I want to have it sink in at a deeper level. You have a divine inheritance that you have not yet claimed. And I would like to assist you in reminding you of things you already know so that you can claim that inheritance. If I told you that there was uh, uh, $5 million uh, that you've inherited and you had to go to New York City to claim it, that meant that you had to do some things differently. You had to uh, find out where it was. You had to uh, get a ticket to go to New York City. You had to get a hotel. Uh, you got to pack the bags and get ready for it. There are all sorts of things you have to do to get ready to receive your good. Yep, the good is already here. The secret of demonstration, according to Mr. Fillmore, the key to true prosperity is right identification. Who are you? Now, I was raised in a fundamentalist church to believe that I was a a worm of the dust. Do I look like a dusty worm to you? (laughs) I mean, I knew that couldn't be true. And a little bit later, you know, I got a little uh, higher understanding that, that I was a terrible sinner, but God still loved me. Uh, That felt a little better. Uh, And then I got the notion that I'm a child of God, and that was really great. I'm a child of God. And there's another step that I'd like to invite you to consider, that you are an expression of God. You're a divine idea in the mind of God, having a human experience right now. But the core of your being is God. There's not God and you. There's God as you. And that means that you have to identify yourself as worthy, forgiven, pure in heart. And I know, and we know we're talking about some things that we might have to do a little work on, right? But I have been doing this work now for about 50 years, and I'm not nearly through but I'm a lot farther along than I was when I started. Because I started out as a, a single mom, uh, living in a one-bedroom apartment. My daughter and I slept in the same bed, working two jobs, 16 hours a day, and just getting by, putting up with, making ends meet, and living from paycheck to paycheck. I was really enjoying my victimhood. And, you know, there came a day when I realized, you know, some, there's got to be something better than this. Because, you know, I didn't, I didn't come this far only to come this far. Um, Michelle and I were talking earlier, and I was reminded of something a very wise teacher said to me early in my career. She tapped me on the arm, and she said, Edwin, you're doing everything exactly right to live the life you're living right now. What? 
So if I want my life to be different, I've got to think and feel and act differently. Uh, Duh, yes, that's it. We have to come into spiritual law, spiritual principles that guide us the way to claim our divine inheritance, to live a life of true abundance. Now, my definition of prosperity is this, a vitally life, healthy body, Prosperity is relationships that work. They work all the time. Prosperity is work that we love so much. It's not work, it's play. And prosperity is all the money we can spend. So would that work for you? Take a deep breath and say, if it would work for you, say amen, sister, for me, would you? All right, good, good. So I started out there, and I was reading a... um, they found I found a book in the library by Catherine Ponder, what was my first prosperity book. And, um, you know, I didn't understand all of it, but she gave you tasks to do. And I started doing those tasks, and things started changing. And I found in the library all sorts of self-help books that I, I was reading. And one of them, I know you're familiar with this one. It's been a classic for years. It's called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Well, he has a line in that book that reminded me of a story from my childhood. In the book, Mr. Hill writes, Directed faith makes every thought crackle with power. Do you hear that? Directed faith makes every thought crackle with power. Well, as I read that, I was reminded myself of a, a childhood incident. I had a little brother six years younger than me. And I guess he was about six years old at the time, and I was about 12. And he came into my bedroom one November, and he said to me, Edwin, guess what I'm going to get for Christmas? And you know how you care about your little brother at that age? I said, what? (laughs) He said, I'm going to get a pony. I said, sure you are. I've won a pony all my life. I never got a pony. What makes you think you're going to get a pony? He drew himself up. Looked me straight in the eye and he said, Santa Claus is going to bring me one. Well, in my infinite wisdom, I decided to enlighten him and tell him, I know, I know, how the package got on the tree, who drank the milk and ate the cookies, and that's why you're not going to get a pony for Christmas. Well, again, he drew himself up, put his hands on his hip, and he said, that's what you think, and he stormed out of the room. Well, his confidence shook me a little bit. So I went to my mother and I said, are you getting him a pony for Christmas or what? And my mother said, no, honey, we're not going to get him. He's just playing. He's not bothering you. Leave him alone. Well, immediately I felt better. He wasn't going to get one. (laughs) But I noticed that my brother was living in a world where he was going to get a pony for Christmas. He got a little stick horse, and he rode around the house, pretending like he was riding his horse. He got an old army blanket of my dad's. That was going to be his pony blanket. He found an old hairbrush in the bathroom. He was going to use that to brush the man's tail. He got an old wash tub. He was going to use that for the food, for the water, for the horse, the little pony. And I thought, oh, gosh, he's going to be so disappointed. And I wasn't sure now, so I went to my dad. I said, hey, Dad, now listen, I need to know the truth here. Don't be lying to me. Are you getting him a pony for Christmas? I need to know right now. He says, no, you mind your business. He's not getting a pony. Leave him alone. He's just playing. So again, I felt better. 
But then I began to think how disappointed this little kid was going to be on Christmas when he didn't get that pony. So I began to suggest other things. How about some tinker toys, you know? Or how about a little train set? Wouldn't that be nice? No, Edwin, I'm getting a pony. Well, I didn't know what to do, so I just left it at that. As it happened, a couple weeks before Christmas, my dad was invited to go on a hunting trip down near the King Ranch in South Texas, which was close by where we lived at the time. Got up real early in the morning before God gets up even. And, well, hunters do go out in the dark and do whatever they do out there. He went over to the ranch, and, and the, the gentlemen who were hunting, they had their coffee, and then they, they walked out to go hunting, and they passed by the stables. And they heard the commotion going on. They went over to see what was happening. This beautiful Palomino mare was in process of giving birth to this little Palomino colt. And these two men stood there and watched this holy birthing process. And as they were sitting there, the rancher leaned over and put his arm around my dad's shoulder. He says, you know, Ed, you've been such a good friend to me all these years. Could I give this little colt to your son for Christmas? <sighs> my dad was not a kid himself. They didn't even go hunting. He got in the truck and he drove all the way back, picked up my mom and me, my little brother. We went back to see that little colt. Have you ever seen one when it's first born? Spindly legs, can't find its legs. Oh, my God. I wish you could have seen my brother's face when he saw that little pony. And I wish you could have seen mine. <laughs> but this rancher was a very sensitive man. And he could tell something was going on inside of me. And he came over, put his arms around my shoulder. He says, honey... I wanted your brother to have the little colt, but I wanted you to have the mare. You see, this is what happens when you have the courage to direct your faith toward those things which you desire. Not only do your dreams come true, but you lift up the spirits of everyone around you. And we have the power to lift the spirits of everyone in the world if we will just get busy doing our work, which is to come into alignment with these four spiritual laws I'm going to talk with you about. Now, that's the title of my book, The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity, A Simple Guide to Unlimited Abundance. If you get the book today or you have it, I would love to sign it for you. In the book, I outline my journey from my holes in my shoes experience to the level of living where I live now. And it's been an amazing trip. Uh, during the first year of practicing these principles, I went from making probably maybe 7000 a year to over 100000 a year in one year. That was my first year of tithing. Spiritual law number one is simply that. We must acknowledge that we know that God is our source. God is my source. Say it with me. God is my source. Easy to say. But the, the law requires an action. And that action is in order to really acknowledge that we know that God is my source. We have to return one-tenth of all the monies we receive back to that person, place, or institution where we've received our spiritual food. It's called the tithe, T-I-T-H-E. The word tithe means a tenth. 
It does not mean 3%. It does not mean 7%. It does not mean what's left over after you pay the bills. It's one-tenth off the top, given back on a regular and disciplined basis to that person, place, or institution where you've received your spiritual food. Now, what is spiritual food? Spiritual food is that which causes us to remember who we are, wakes us up and shakes us up and gets us back on our spiritual pathway. That's spiritual food. And if you're fed through this ministry, your tithe belongs here. But only you know. Nobody knows but you. Now, please hear this part. I'm not talking about giving to charity. It's a wonderful thing to do, and I give to hundreds of charities. But the first tenth is holy. It must go back where you're fed spiritually. Over and above that, you give to any charity or anybody you want to give to. The mystics say that if you give your tithe to need, you're creating need in your own life. That's why many very giving people find themselves living just at the line, the poverty line almost. And they're wonderful giving people. But the first tenth belongs to God. It's it's a conscious action we take to acknowledge that I know that God is my source. We'll talk more about that this afternoon, get all the questions answered. Spiritual law number two. We're required to forgive everybody all the time, especially ourselves. Now, I've done a lot of forgiveness work in my life, and and I continue to work on it on a daily basis. One of the things I've noticed about my own forgiveness process is the only people that I ever have to forgive are those people who don't do things my way. (laughs) There seem to be a lot of them, too. (laughs) And many of them drive in Denver, I'm just saying. So a forgiveness technique that I use every night before I go to sleep, and I ask you to begin, if you will, to do something that serves you the way this serves me. I ask myself in prayer, have I put anyone outside my heart today? And usually I have. There's some poor soul that did not get Queen Edwin's edict about how to behave on planet Earth so it's off of their heads. Mm. So I have to spend some time forgiving them for not understanding what my rules are. Forgiving myself for being so judgmental and self-righteous and uh, forgiving the situation and just letting go of any emotional attachment to that and and genuinely forgiving myself. And then I look and see what was going on here. It's always the same issue for me. The issue under every one of my judgments is a control issue. I know how you ought to behave. To hear that, I'm working on it. Pray with me. (sighs) We'll talk more. I learned an interesting thing, and I'll talk about this this afternoon, but I learned, and I believe, I'm not saying this is a law, but I believe that all financial debt is about unforgiveness. And we'll talk later about that, and I'll give you, you can ask any questions you want to. Special law number three. We're required to set clear-cut, tangible goals. What do you want? What exactly do you want? And are you willing to direct your faith toward receiving them? You see, my little brother had no doubt he was going to get a pony. Yeah, He had no doubt whatsoever it was going to be there. And that is the faith of a mustard seed. We can move mountains. Yeah. I spoke with a young man this morning after the first service and 
he's saying he was saying that he loves these principles, but he hasn't done the one on goal setting. And I challenged him to do it today because if you don't set goals, you're you understand you're at cause in your universe. You're not a defect. You're not the victim. Everything in your life you created. Poke your neighbor. I think she's talking to you. (laughs) So your job is to create what you want instead of what you don't want. And we create things we don't want when we complain and we gossip and we criticize and we moan and groan and play victim. We're asking for more of the victim stuff to come to us. Did I get an amen sister over here? (laughs) Good. (laughs) Wonderful. I love it. So I have a process that we go through, the goal-setting process. And in truth, I began setting goals about 55 years ago, and I've gotten every single thing I've ever wanted. One thing I got that I didn't, I kind of gave up on, but I just, I didn't do anything toward it. Um, I wanted to, to do a stand-up comedy routine. Yeah, I really wanted to do that. And I got the opportunity to do that last December. I did two shows in New York City at a cabaret called Don't Tell Mama. They wanted hour-long shows. I loved it. I almost changed my career right then. But But here's what I want you to get. Nothing is too good to be true for you. Just let that sink in. Your greatest desire of your heart is nothing compared to the splendor that God has for you. But it's a beginning point. If that's as far as you can see, as high as you can see for your desires right now, you have to start where you are. Yeah, You have to start with maybe you just want some new green shoes. Or maybe you want to go to a, on a vacation. Or maybe you want to get a new car, get a home, or get a relationship, or whatever. You want something, you have to write it down and believe that it's on the way to you because you're doing everything that you need to do to claim your divine inheritance. You're tithing, you're forgiving, and you have written goals. And finally, spiritual law number four, you've got to seek and find and get on your divine purpose. What are you here for? What is your mission? What is that Great work that is uniquely yours. Emma Curtis Hopkins calls it your magnificent opus. What did you come to do? We have scientific proof now that the people who are the happiest on planet Earth are those who give and serve. Because the law, as you know, is as you give, you receive. I love that because it puts me absolutely in charge of my receiving. Because as I give, I receive. And I know this about you, and I love you enough to tell you the truth. If you're not receiving all that you need to receive or you want to receive, the truth about you, honey, is you're a tightwad. (laughs) So I'm asking you to take this moment to step outside your comfort zone And give yourself permission to play with the big kids. Because you have everything it takes to do everything that you want to do. To be whoever you want to be. To write the books. To create the music. To go on the trips. To raise a beautiful family. Whatever it is that is your, your goal. 
And you can have many of them. I've had over the years many, many, many. They've all come true. Because I know now how to direct my faith. I choose to honor God, to acknowledge that God is my source. God doesn't need my money. I need to do that to keep my faith firm. Tithing is a great faith builder. And I challenge you today to tithe for six months on a disciplined basis. Keep records of the divine surprises and the the goals that come true. And I'll guarantee you, if you'll go for six months and do this work, you will never stop. Because it will amaze you how many ways God has to bring your good to you. Ideas that you haven't even thought of yet, but they're there waiting for you to ask. The scriptures say you have not because you ask not. And that was one of the primary teachings of Jesus Christ. Ask and you shall receive. So your your asking is actually setting your goals. That's the way you ask. Yeah. And so when I set my goal to be uh, the uh, uh, do a uh, set up comedy routine in a show, um, I wrote, "I now have the opportunity to do a stand up comedy routine." So you put it in the present tense, and it's already here, yeah? because everything is already here at the level of absolute, and we're living in two different dimensions at the same time: the absolute and the relative. Yeah? The relative is perhaps my feet hurt. Yeah, and the absolute is my feet are perfect. Both are true. Can you live there? The mystics say walking that divine uh, point that we call the razor of, of truth makes you uh, a worldwide mystic, and that's who you are. I believe that all of us are grassroots mystics, and we're here to lift ourselves up and remember the teaching that Jesus gave us when he said. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And that's your job, to lift yourself up. In the process, you'll lift up the entire world. There's something in you that is so holy, so precious, made in the image and likeness of the Most High God. And that means you have within you all of the attributes of God, the wisdom the understanding, the love, the patience, the creativity, all that is within each one of us. But we have to access it. And I've given you simple tools to begin the process of accessing your divine inheritance right here, right now, today. I challenge you to begin. So let me close this morning. A workshop this afternoon starts at 2 o'clock. There's no charge for it. It's on a love offering basis. Now, I know that some of you may think that you have other plans. <laughs> I'm inviting you to allow the Holy Spirit to change them. Let me close with a teaching from one of my favorite modern-day mystics, a man by the name of Mario Andretti. Very wise man, Mr. Mario. He says, if everything seems under control, you're not going nearly fast enough. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. 
This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.